you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL podcast has multiple practice squad offers. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Colleen Wolf, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Colleen. This is so weird that Dan's not here, not doing this. I know. I'm just gonna everybody. Dan is off, so off. I'm sitting in. It's it's great to have you back. It's unfortunate it happens on a day you know Dan can't be here, but this happens once a year actually. He's got a great Hansis family reunion, and we're gonna be hearing from them a little later in yes. the show. And we're happy he can be with his family, and we're happy you can be here. To replace him. And it's possible that the whole Hansis family is gathered around to watch this on Periscope as we speak. So, it is. you know, Wes, keep your negative comments to yourself. <laughs> so we'll say hello to them. Wes, I like your shirt. Your oh, yeah. Thank shirt. you. I've got to support Tabby Island and Huckapoos after they survived the hurricane. Uh, and it looks like a hurricane hit the island. It's There's a lot of damage. But, you know, you have to hand it to the mayor who got everyone prepared, had fought for like the sand renourishment and got the beaches like after her after Hurricane Katrina, he really fought to get Tybee ready for it. Your and former they survived. roommate, right? My former roommate, wow. Jason Bulterman. Tybee survived. Huckapoos was the place to be on Saturday. Free pizza for all the people who stayed on the island. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And yeah. Mark, your parents were Yeah, evacuated? well my, my parents lived just up the coast and they evacuated last Tuesday, I think, thinking it would just be you know, a couple day or two away, in, you know, in the middle of Georgia in a hotel. They have not been back since. You can't get on Hilton Head Island at the point where they live. And uh, they brought about two days worth of clothing. So it's wow. been slightly chaotic, but hopefully back to normal soon well, enough. I'm glad they're okay. We're thinking about everybody who's been affected by Hurricane Matthew. And um, hopefully maybe football helps in times like this when you're going through it. So this is it's a good the- thing your parents aren't Browns fans. Yes, well, they're wise enough not to have ever gone down that road. So <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This is going to be rough. All right. It is the Sunday edition of the Around the NFL podcast brought to you by Mr. Flames Economics Class. 
Mr. No F, we got you. All right. Mr. F. Seamless, Colleen. <laughs> So let's start with the game that everybody's been talking about basically since the season began. Tom Brady, he's back, and he returned throwing for 400 yards, three touchdowns, three, three of them to Martellus Bennett, no less, as the Patriots beat the Browns 33-13 to in Cleveland. So, Rosie, yes. uh, Brady said that there was plenty of rust. Did you see it? No, I did not see a lot of rust. This looked like mid-season form Tom Brady right off the bat. You go down the field, score a touchdown, score a touchdown on your first three uh, drives. Basically perfect for the first half until they got stuffed on the goal line. And Mark made a smart move over the week weekend, really, deciding he didn't want to cover this game because he thought it wasn't going to go well for the Browns. And it would have been a tough one to watch for Browns fans. And I think it's got to get a lot of other teams in the AFC thinking, how do we match up with this team? That was my takeaway. Not so much Brady, but the return of the Gronk. Because when you got Gronk and Martellus Bennett out there as your base package, Chris Hogan making noise on the outside, how do you match up with those guys? You it- don't. And they didn't today. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of rust on the field, and it was in a team wearing rust-colored shirts, pants, and socks. I mean, they look completely unprepared from the first minute because I was, I was watching this on a side screen. And Cleveland's, you know, they have a lot of Achilles heels, but one of their primary ones is their secondary. And you could tell within five minutes of this game opening that A, Tom Brady was absolutely scorching hot and on fire and ready to roll. And B, Cleveland's secondary was still somewhere up in Berea on the practice field. Well, they don't have a pass rush and they don't have a secondary. It's a bad, it's a bad defense. That's, bad combination. That's, that's done well so far. But to me, watching the first drive of the game, it's not so much Brady's back. It's Gronk is back. Because that seemed like a bigger question mark to me. He is running over defenders, you know, frolicking through the open field, kind of like he does in his, his best times. He's making great physical catches. He's blocking well. Uh, he did that on, a, on a, one of the touchdowns for LeGarrette Blunt And... To me, that makes all the difference in the world, having Gronk back. He's having fun. He looks like he's having fun, unlike Odell Beckham. Can't wait a month. <laughs> Maybe they'll get Deion Lewis back, and then what are defense is going to do? Yeah. Add yet another element to this. I think they could average 35 to 40 points a game if that happens. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a reminder because after a while, I've gotten used to watching Jacoby Brissett for you know two and a half games. Like, wow, this team, it's not the same team that Brady left. The team that Brady left was not as explosive. They struggled to push the ball down the field last year. Today, I think he was four of six or five of seven on throws that went over 20 yards in the air. So that's to Gronk. That's to Hogan, who had some deep plays down the field. And Bennett with the three touchdowns. Bennett didn't even do that much. He was so wide open because I think the attention is going elsewhere. It almost seemed like New England took their foot off the gas you know, you know, midway through this game, because they could, and they, they didn't have to go all out. But we're finally seeing, you know, when they had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez back in the day before Aaron Hernandez did a rather bad thing, um, the, the idea of a two tight end under, set. That's underselling it. Well, I am it underselling it. It's pretty terrible, yeah. I, you know, the, just, I'm underselling it. But they have that two tight end situation now that is an impossible matchup for defenses. This is what Belichick's wanted for years. And yeah. the, the difference is these two tight ends you both really have to respect as blockers. So you don't know if they're going out on a route on any given down. And I think that just makes it so tough for the defense to figure out who to cover. Dan's a whole regression thing for Tom Brady. Not starting out very well. Tom Brady today joined Warren Moon as the only quarterback ever, age 39 or older, with three touchdowns and 400 yards in a Mm. game. Wow. Well, he he 
was playing the Browns, and he was protected well, and that that's all fine. But the Browns are an NFL team, and he had one of the best games I've seen from any quarterback this year. I think according that, to you, that, that's fair to say. Well, he's but, also Tom Brady. I'm saying according to you, the Browns look like an NFL oh. team right now. They have a ways to go in my book. Well, I feel bad for the Browns. Cody Kessler was oh, injured. They just in the- went through quarterbacks. Cody Kessler, Charlie Whitehurst, and then they had to put Terrell Pryor in there. Well, they're not. You're, it's the opposite. They're not protecting their quarterback the same way. No, and Kessler's injury uh, came on a play where they blitzed Dante Hightower, who made some big plays early in the game. He didn't recognize it. He throws it backwards for a safety. It was a disastrous play. And I think Kessler's played well in the first few weeks. So it's disappointing because the minute Charlie Whitehurst entered the game, it was kind of like, okay, you can't run any sort of offense. Kessler had a touchdown drive that to make the game 7-7 at, at one point. But I, I think they're they're kind of cooked in terms of watching them as a real NFL team if Whitehurst is starting. Malcolm Brown had a great game today too. He had two sacks, I think, in that game. Yeah, I think – what did you see out of Malcolm Brown, Greg? Well, he – he played well against the run. They they decided to try to stop Isaiah Crowell. He had two sacks. Crowell and Duke Johnson entered this game as the leading you know rushers in the league in terms of yards per carry, and they combined for 17 rushes for 23 yards. So they needed it. The, the, the Patriots' defense has been, I wouldn't say up and down, but they, they got good performances out of Brown and Hightower today. Mm-hmm. I thought one of the most interesting tweets I saw today was from NFL Network's Courtney Fallon, who said she had a Brown source who told her that Terrell Pryor is the only untouchable player on the roster, and that's who they're really? building around. They'll trade all pros, like Joe Thomas, mm. but they won't trade Terrell Pryor. Well, they were willing to trade Thomas last year, and I think that they didn't want to do that going into this year without an acceptable backup to him, but he's been on the market for the right price for a long time, and if you're, gonna, if you're willing to part with Joe Thomas, well, they talk about other all pros. Who else are we talking about here? Joe, Joe Hayden, in theory? So, yeah, yeah, you're willing to trade anyone probably but your rookie class. It's not that much of a shock to me. (laughs) That Terrell Pryor has gone from a guy? From 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 the Pryor angle, yes. But the the rest of the roster. That's the only angle I found interesting. That Terrell Pryor has gone from a guy that nobody in the league wanted to a guy Hugh Jackson brought in personally and made a centerpiece of their offense. Well, he was here last year. He was in Cleveland last year, to be honest. But Hugh Jackson knows him, and he's developed him. How uh, how's week five now of the all raw foods diet until the Browns win a game? How are you feeling, Mark? And now that you, you look know, well, they're zero and yeah, five, and Kessler's hurt now. How are you? I, I are you feel okay, forward? which is uh, you know comforting because this is going to go on deep into the winter potentially. So. <laughs> wow, it's going to be a long winter. Yes, it is. <laughs> but we're right here with you. All right, has, let's move on. Has your raw foods diet taking you to weird places mentally? Because sometimes when you change your diet or you know, most religious gurus go through some weird phase where they're deprived of food for a while. Well, that, I'm not a religious guru, so let's start there. Um, but no, I feel fine. I mean, I've dabbled in this in the past. so. Well, I thought you know, maybe it would like send you down the religious guru route. No, it will not. Okay. Thank you for asking. Okay. Well, that's settled. How about Cincinnati and Dallas? Ezekiel Elliott fever, it's spreading. The Cowboys rookie running back ran for 134 yards and two touchdowns. That's an 8.9 yards per carry average in the 28-14 win over the Bengals to move to 4-1. and one. So, Mark, there's two rookies here that look electric still. Absolutely. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott and rookie quarterback Dak Prescott have been today, I think, was an absolutely sensational performance by both. And minutes into the game, first drive for the Cowboys, they march right down the field, rip about five-plus minutes off the clock, 
And Elliott has 42 yards in an excellent touchdown run, and you knew right there that the tone was set. Finishes with 134 yards on the day, and it's the same thing we talked about last week. Elliott gets stronger as the game goes on. He's much more decisive than he was in week one, and he's running behind one of the best lines in football, if not the best line, and it showed. they got a, This was the worst Bengals game we've seen in years. I did not expect it to come out this way. I did not see it coming this way either, but they got, they got down early, and there was no way for them to get back in. The Bengals are missing you know, the players that they let go in free agency, and with this second-half run, when Ezekiel Elliott blasted for this touchdown, this was the end of this game. Play it, Sydney. Prescott's under center. Feed Elliott. Coming right. 50-yard line and sprinting. He's going 20 and 10. Zeke Elliott walked all the dogs. 60 yards. <laughs> touchdown, Cowboys. Walked all the dogs. That's great. That is our friend Brad Sham at KRLD in Dallas and Big D. And, you know, here's the thing. With Elliott and the Cowboys, Jammer. they right now lead the league in drives of five plus minutes, and they lead the league in drives of ten plus plays. So there's nothing fluky happening here. Like the Cowboys team that West that you talked about in the off season, where they wanted to be like they were in 2014, it took a little bit of time for that to develop, but it is happening, and it came into full bloom today. We got West out of his seat three or four times to really? come watch Ezekiel Elliott. It's that Ezekiel kind of a player. Elliott. Look, he's on pace for 1,750 rushing yards which is the second most of all time. Better than Earl Campbell, better than Adrian Peterson as a rookie. This is rare rare territory that he's going through. They, yeah. they dictate at the start of each and every game. It's crazy that they've been able to do that five straight weeks with rookies at quarterback and running back. That they at, In the first 20 minutes of every game, the first 20 minutes of game time, they say, this is what we're going to do, and they do it. And, and, it, and I know the Tony Romo discussion is, seems crazy, but, but every game like this. But the way that Dak Prescott's playing, at least they can just wait and see and like, and be careful about bringing Roma back because Dak Prescott is playing at a level you just don't see rookies play at. Well, he's, he has 150-plus passes without a pick. He did have his first turnover of the whole year today with a lost fumble. But really, honestly, the fact that this game was 28-14 does not do service in terms of explaining how poor the Bengals you know, dealt with this early lead, the early deficit they fell into. They had no way out. And Green was shut down. Absolutely. Green was essentially erased, had one catch for nine yards in the first half. Mo Claiborne had a couple penalties in this game, but he is playing the best football of his entire career. That secondary wanted this more than the Bengals offense wanted it. I wrote about Mo Claiborne last week about guys coming back from patella tendon tears. He and Jimmy Graham and Victor Cruz. But Mo Claiborne has the lowest completion percentage against of any quarter cornerback in the NFL. I guess it goes to show that some of these cornerbacks that are drafted high that we expect to shine right away. I mean, he went through a lot of off-field stuff and on-field stuff, and it took a in- long, long time. Injuries, bad play. Right. Four or five years of it. They're getting it now. It's not with the timeline they thought. But this, I mean, the Bengals, the Bengals, listen, they have to go play New England next. They are 2-3, and three, and I. this is not a team that looks to me to have any of the chemistry of last year. And you have lost Marvin Jones. You've lost Mo Sanu. You've lost Hugh Jackson calling plays. At some point, these losses start to add up. Yeah, and it's got to be tough for Andy Dalton right now trying to make this work and thinking that he was going to be able to do that coming into this year and just ha- not having those guys there, not having Hugh there. It's so it's just really affecting them and it's really sad kind of because last year I feel like that was their window to go far. Yeah. Yeah, I think Wessel um 
West of us could be in jeopardy this year. Ooh, <laughs> West of us, of course, for new listeners, your <laughs> annual holiday where you celebrate the Bengals' first round defeat. In the well, playoffs. it is an annual thing where the Bengals lose on the first Five weekend of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's a great holiday. Well, maybe we can replace it with something else. Like maybe you can put your hoop earring back in. Oh, my gosh. I forgot oh, about that. Maybe. Before the show even started, the <laughs> biggest breaking news of the day, not not injury-related, no upsets, it was that Wes once had an earring, a hoop earring. A hoop earring. Had an earring from about 1993 <laughs> to 97. I went to an interview at a law firm in Cincinnati, and the lady <laughs> hired me and said, I'm going to hire you, but – let me give you some advice. Never, ever wear that earring to an interview again. <laughs> Probably the best advice that you've ever received as a human. It was good. I was a much different person mm. at that point in my life. One but they never really close up, so you could still probably I still have a little hole there. Yeah. Break the I just can't out. even imagine. Wesleyan, of all people, who is not one to, I don't know, put on airs or be too you know concerned about like you know, looking cool or whatever, just rocking the hoop earring. I love it. I was rocking a lot of stuff back then. It's, wow. Wow. This is a whole new Wes. It's uh, it's almost you as should embarrassing. Should have seen as- me in my mailman days with my backwards hat and the earring and the and the Mike Tyson boots and shirt sleeves rolled up to my shoulder. Stop. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get great. some uh, Photoshop work from a couple listeners, <laughs> I believe, Please do week. that. All right. Let's move on to Denver and Atlanta. The high-flying Falcons went into Denver to face the toughest defense they've seen thus far and handed the Broncos their first loss of the year. Wes, is it time to buy the Falcons for real? Oh, I think it was time to buy the Falcons before this game, but if you needed convincing that they would beat a good defense finally – they just beat the best defense in the NFL, and they did it by using Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman in space with mis- mismatches against Broncos inside linebackers. And let's listen to Wes Durham of WZGC The Game on this one. Ryan empties the backfield, <laughs> three to the left, tight end and a receiver to the right. That takes a snap. Denver brings four. Ryan going to gun it in the middle of the field. There is Coleman in the end zone. Touchdown, Atlanta. I mean, number two stepped up and just slung that Jesse in there. <laughs> Jesse? <laughs> I like that. Slung that Jesse in there. that Jesse in there. We don't pre-listen to these, so that was a surprise to us. Wow. <laughs> Jesse. Yeah, Ryan was throwing the Jesse around to his running backs. Tevin is, Coleman. Is that how you use that? I guess. That's, <laughs> we're going right. to have to start using it that way. Tevin Coleman is too fast for linebackers. You cannot cover him. And, mm. and last year when you took Julio Jones out of the game, the whole offense sputtered. This year, yep. it's a different story. They have the best complementary backfield in the NFL right now. Over 1,000 yards from scrimmage between the two of them this year already well, in Fre- five games. Freeman is you know, one of the, the best, if not the best, running backs in the league, I think, on early downs. He's been so good this year. And then to have to- Tevin Coleman, this is the second game like this where Coleman makes all of his bones as a receiver. If you, if you think about it, everyone's talked about, well, they've added weapons, and now they're spreading the ball around. I mean, the biggest weapon they added, Muhammad Sanu, is on pace for about 500 yards. They have really taken some guys other people didn't want, and they've taken the guys that are there mostly and made them an explosive offense, even in Denver. Well, I think they go hand-in-hand. Hand. The, the Sanu acquisition and picking up Taylor Gabriel and Aldrich Robinson and Austin Hooper, you can't concentrate on Tevin Cole. Right. You have to use a linebacker on him. You can't use a safety or a cornerback because they have all these other weapons. Julio he, Jones, after the game, said he was doubled the whole game, and he said he's fine with that because that means guys are going to get their numbers. Matt he's still going to have those games where he explodes too, no matter absolutely. what. Absolutely. Matt Ryan missed two 
downfield throws to him when Julio was open, and Chris Harris was kind of tugging on his jersey most of the game, too. Mm. Yeah, they can use him now as a decoy because they have all these other guys, but I think, too, year two in Kyle Shanahan's system, we are kind of seeing them gel a little bit more, plus with all of the new weapons. It's just it works so well for them. On the defensive side of things, Vic Beasley – that was a Ty Sombrello issue for the Broncos. Yeah. Their starting right tackle, Donald Stevenson, was out. Sombrello, who may or may not have been injured and in trying to fight through an injury, looked like he went to crawl inside of his helmet in the mm. third quarter when Beasley beat him for the third time. And two of those were forced fumbles. And then they pull Sombrello, send Michael Schofield out, and it was the same result. Another sack for Beasley. I mean, do you feel like obviously Atlanta and what we've seen, four and one? Totally fine, reasonable record for them. They are one of the most exciting offenses, you know, of any team and one we've seen in a while. But they did face Paxton Lynch, who it sounded like talking to the game. He was not – this was, guy was not ready for action today. Everything we had seen out of him in the preseason suggested that his physical tools might be able to overcome whatever he was missing fundamentally. Uh, today was a pretty dispiriting game for anybody who wanted him to um, unseat – Trevor Simeon at some point this season, he was inaccurate early. He was high. And then what I think the most disturbing part was that with Vic Beasley crashing that pocket, he you started to see him see, – he was seeing ghosts in the pocket. He was taking off a little too early to run. And, and I think that was a little disturbing. But I, this is Trevor Simeon's offense. Well, I, I read something about Simeon's injury, and he said after the game he felt like he was pretty close to playing – there was some thought in Denver. They have a Thursday night game in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Maybe if Simeon's going to play one of those games, certainly you would wait for the second one. Maybe let's see how Paxton Lynch does. Let's not push the issue. And we have Simeon there. We don't want him starting twice in five days. I would not be surprised if he's back starting in, in San Diego as they try to bounce back on Thursday night. The Broncos have much higher expectations for Paxton Lynch against a bad Atlanta Falcons defense. Mm. And before the game, Gary Kubiak told their broadcast crew, we're going to have the full playbook. We're going to we're not going to throw anything out of our offense. We're going to run our offense with Paxton Lynch. And it just didn't work out well. It seems like they also had higher hopes going into the game for C.J. Anderson and Devontae Booker, and mm-hmm. I, it seems like they had a very equal workload. I wonder if things are changing in that backfield a little bit. They wanted to run the ball. That was their goal, to establish the run, because they had struggled in the previous two games. They got behind so early that they kind of had to abandon the running game, but they wanted to get Devontae Booker more involved. Kubiak told the broadcast crew that they thought he had fresh legs and could inject life into the running game, so you might see a little bit more of him on Thursday night. Yeah, and Matt Ryan, I guess he's still – in the MVP discussion. <laughs> well, we don't need a weekly update, do we? It's week this five. Is, this is the week five oh, update on Matt stuff. Ryan and the MVP discussion. People are asking for this. Everybody wants to, to know. Thank you. Yes, for everybody on Periscope, that's for you. All right. <laughs> if not for his last pass attempt of the game, he would have been the first quarterback with a 100 passer rating on that Broncos defense in 30 games. Well, it's been a, it's been there a while. There you have it. When was the last time they lost? What, it was it against the Bengals late last season? I mean, this has been on – it's been a while since anyone's – Made any noise against this defense. Yeah. Impressive. Mm-hmm. Kyle know, Shanahan was, out. Shanahan, Gary Kubiak. I was really surprised. Assistant coach of the year? Kyle or, Shanahan? Yeah. Still some candidates. A little too early for me to decide. Who's, we saw what the Falcons did early last year. I want to see them do it all season you know long. But, yes, candidate. he's got to be up there. Rod Marinelli for the Cowboys. Yes. Is a, oh. is a candidate. Yep. How about for the second always time in overlooked. three years? How about Mike? Who is Mike Shanahan rooting for in this game? You know, he lives in Denver. He's got the ties there. Kubiak. I would imagine That's his tough. son – 
You would think so. The person that is his family, his child, came from yeah, his loins. I mean, as my mom always says, you can't trust anybody, not even your own mother. So <laughs> uh, maybe not. Maybe it's well, not a family. Of Mike Shanahan from- seems super trustworthy to me. <laughs> I, I like that you share the same information with us that you do with your therapist. Yes. Well, this is basically a therapy session for oh. me. So thank All you, guys. Right. Let's move on to Pittsburgh and the Jets. The Steelers carried over their dominant performance from last week to crush the Jets in a 31-13 to route at Heinz Field. Sammy Coates had a career-high six catches for 139 yards, two scores to help send the Jets to one and four. So usually Dan has his dad call and leave him a voicemail about his analysis of the game. But since Dan is not here, uh, Dan's dad called me and left wow. me a voicemail. Yeah, like right. me, me and Keith, we kind of we've been talking a little bit. Um, I'm just trying to pick his brain about Dan and, you know, learn a little bit more about where Dan came from. Yeah, so, sure. <laughs> so now going we in have, an unexpected direction. Yes. The analysis of Keith Hansis on the Jets. His name is Keith. Five, another terrible defensive effort by the Jets' defense. The front four put absolutely no pressure on Big Ben, and he torched the Jets' defense uh, where the backfield, once again, mysteriously, was not covering anybody that were wide open. Big play, I thought, in, in the game, which is still a mystery to me, is with 7.32 left and fourth and one, Bulls decides to punt. I have to question that. He is Dan. The Jets aren't bad enough to be embarrassing, not good enough to be interesting. They just exist. Oh, God. I'll see you next year. I'm going to go get drunk. Little worried about Dan. Yeah, it's uh, his dad, Keith. I, I think that their, um, their tone appropriately sums up, you know, the game that I was watching out of the corner of my eye as well, and, and they nailed it. That, that, punt, that decision to, to go for the punt there, was certainly maddening to Jets fans, and, and just as much so was the fact that New York has to so overcompensate for its you know tendency to get burnt deep that big pockets of space were open underneath. And Big Ben, you know, when you give that to Big Ben, we know what's going to happen. He used Le'Veon Bell, he used other receivers just to kind of you know throw short some shorter and intermediate passes that picked up big real estate. And when that wasn't happening, Sammy Coates, who had some bad drops in this game, also had some huge plays, including a big touchdown out of the gate that, you know, the Jets were in this thing and it got away from them towards the end because I think they just couldn't hang. This is not the Jets' offense of last season. The loss of Eric Decker stings. Well, they've had no-shows in three straight second halves where they've just been blown out of the water and they basically haven't scored on offense. And you have a defensive coach who wants to coach to a defense that's better in his head, I think, than it really is on paper. I mean, they've punted. It wasn't just that one punt in the fourth quarter. They punted five different times on fourth and short during wow. this game. Now, some of those are situations where it would be very surprising if you go for it. But it's just they don't have confidence, I don't think, in their offensive line um, you know, or their offense in general to go for it in those situations. The Jets' defense is the bizarro Broncos. They've allowed a 100 passer rating in every game this year. Hmm. Well, no, they did, as advertised, you know, they clamped down on the run to some degree, but that short passing game was the run. I mean, Le'Veon Bell had nine catches for 88 yards. It was just, 
easy to kind of figure out how to move the ball on New York as the game went on. Well, Sammy Coates said after the game that his drops were he had, he his hand was numb because he had, he had a cut. He had in a cut, it. yeah. He was it's wearing a, big gloves, so he was able to have this monster day because with that, the Steelers' deep threat opposite Antonio Brown with Le'Veon Bell underneath has to be one of the cushiest jobs in the world. Yeah, as Martavis Bryant right. found out last year with Big Ben throwing accurate downfield strikes all the time. But those guys have those two guys have. Special speed. I mean, Sammy Coates, when he is flying up the sideline, maybe he's a one-trick pony like Torrey Smith used to, but who cares? That's what they need is one trick to be. When he flew past Marcus Peters, for instance, last week, it's like, bam! I mean, he makes Peters look slow, and Peters is a fast Did the guy. same thing today. They even get big plays out of Darius Hayward Bay. Yes. Right? That's one of the most surprising things about it. It's a cushy job being the deep threat <laughs> for the Steelers. Connor Orr, uh, in the rankings, he said that the Steelers are the best team in the league. After this performance, does it move them at all for you guys? Sure, I mean they're right in the they mix. They were. I don't I think, think that they were like my third or fourth team to begin with. They're. I don't think they're a better football team than the New England Patriots because we'll still see them implode occasionally. But peak Steelers when they're playing as well as they can. We've. I've. We've all read that said this over and over. If the Steelers got hot in the playoffs, they could beat anyone. They nearly beat Denver last year without Antonio Brown. Connor thinks they have a higher ceiling than the Patriots because of their star power. I would argue the other way. The Patriots have a higher ceiling because of their own star power. But they're they're right there, and the and the Seahawks are right there for me too so far this season. But why what not? What about the Broncos with Simeon? And the, and I think the Broncos are right there too. I I think the Steelers. We'll see. I want to see the Steelers shut down a good offense. That Eagles game, maybe it was just an anomaly, but they don't have a great pass rush this year. But they certainly have clamped down the last two weeks and have some things working for them. They're a little mm-hmm. healthier now. Their best defensive player got a hamstring injury, Cameron Hayward. Mm. And Ryan Shazier has been battling a knee injury too. So those injuries could be huge for them. Yeah, it's brutal though for the Jets. When you look at Chan Gailey and what he had last year and how all of the pieces really seem to fit together and then all offseason everybody – all they wanted was Ryan Fitzpatrick, and now he's here, and it's just not adding well, up I with think Decker out. 100%, and one of the reasons that I think you know Dan is also upset about the Jets is that you needed to get that win in week one at home against the Bengals, and you needed to just knock off you know, a couple of these other teams. Now you've lost to the Seahawks and Steelers. You have the Cardinals and Ravens next, and it doesn't really ease up at the back end of the schedule either, so I don't know how they climb. Well, you're in a hole, and it, I think it's – he. He said we're not that interesting. I think part of it is like you have Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback, Matt Fortes as your running back, you know, your stars on the defensive line. Leonard Williams is exciting, but Mo Wilkerson and isn't making a huge impact this year. I, I think it's just like what can we get excited about? This isn't a fun team to watch right now. This might be the end of Revis with the Jets. And was, we saw what they could be. That Thursday night game, They that offense was so much fun to watch. But Decker's gone. Right. And we don't know when we'll see him again. Did you guys think that was one of the weirdest post-game quotes of the year, Brandon Marshall? The boat one? <laughs> yes. This uh, is the per- perfect position for us, he says. It's weird because we're, we're one and four. The media will get all over us, but this is the perfect position for it's, us. It's a weird quote, but I think that he's he's like part media person, part athlete, but athletes have to think this way when you get down. You have to think about this is an opportunity to climb out. and I, it's right. not You're not going to get the most realistic it was, chat from It was almost too... 
choreographed. It right. was like, hey, I'm going to be the guy that's positive after a loss. I mean, there literally is a moment, if you see the video, when he says, we're going to turn this thing around. And he goes, woo! And he starts clapping and stuff. And it's like, oh, no. All right, all right. Yeah, I, I think his teammates probably think that way, too. Like, this is a little bit of false bravado here. And this guy, that guy's worked his way out of how many locker rooms around the league? Well, I 23. mean. 23. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to be like, okay, we're going to be the underdogs here and we're going to be the comeback kids that everybody mm. roots mm. for and I don't know, whatever. But it's a little scripted. We'll see Colleen what happens sounds there. like she's buying it. I am buying in. Let's move to the Eagles. The Eagles and Carson, rookie Carson Wentz, tried to stay perfect as they traveled to Detroit for the Jim Schwartz revenge game. Woo! Darius Slay, though, had other plans, forcing two pivotal turnovers in a one-point come-from-behind win for the Lions. Wes, that was a crushing interception that Carson Wentz threw at the end of that game. Not least of which because it was a perfect throw. It was a great pinpoint throw. His receiver should have made the play instead of allowing the defensive back to make the play. Mm -hmm. It was an awesome throw. And Darius Slake deserves credit for making the play because Nelson Aguilar just let him have it. Mm. Yeah, this game, it when I was watching it, Carson Wentz, I kept thinking the interception is going to come. It has to come at some point. So in a way, I'm glad that he <laughs> threw it and – it's awful. It's sort of like a Brandon Marshall thing. Like maybe this was the best thing that could have happened for them. Like what? it came at a really bad time. They lost the game because of it, but now he's ripped off the bandaid and you know, he can move on. I think, I mean, it's this had, this is Carson went through that pick, but he also is the reason that they've been in all these games. He's been a nearly perfect quarterback for what and you'd he expect was, from a rookie. He was dynamite again. You know, the pick aside, he was dynamite on really? Sunday. So every time I looked up, they were they driving. Lost, yeah. he, he is not high on that list. No, he's, no. they no. lost in spite of him. Mm. And yeah. you, we have not had a chance to talk to you about this, but this is the quarterback that in my, you know, when I want to enter into a darker place, it should be Cleveland's quarterback. But he's yours, and that's an also that's a that's a roughed-up fan base, so I'm not unhappy that it happened to the Eagles of any team. But, how are you've got to be feeling a little bit less doom and gloom now that this – you know, big ball of sunshine's come into your life to save the city of brotherly love. It's a little weird, and I'm not sure I can even... You don't trust it. Do I you? don't trust it. I don't trust a lot of things. The but other shoe will drop, you feel. Do you I, trust any one of us? I trust you guys. You, <laughs> you guys I trust. Um, but I, it, it's so hard to be like, okay, yeah, look, he's the guy. I, it's hard to be a positive person, probably, in general, mm. but it's definitely hard to be... To buy in completely with him, but he looks really good. All the signs are there, and it's it's true. And after the first two games, I couldn't really buy in just because of the opponents. But after the Pittsburgh game, I was like, okay, this is this is not bad. This is pretty good. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's good. On the other side of things, though, Darius Slay, he had such a great game. For the Lions, he basically he forced the fumble that uh, Ryan Matthews had, and then he had that game-changing interception. So huge game for him. He came up big when the Lions' offense went in the tank. I believe they had 17 first downs in the first half and only two in the second half. Mm. And you could tell that Jim Bob Cooter had a good game plan. He had a lot of misdirection plays that he was fooling Eagles' defense, but when those plays ran out, the Eagles defense came back and had a big second half. But credit Stafford for the game-winning field goal drive. And Theo Riddick was huge in this game, his receiving ability. I mean, this is why they gave Slay a huge contract. He's a veteran. And he's a veteran on a defense that has lost their veteran, Ziggy Ansah mm -hmm. and DeAndre Levy. And the Lions 
they're two and three. That's about what they should be. To me, they haven't been a terrible team this year, especially considering the bad injury luck. And it's a guy with a monster deal. Kind of, it's great to see like stepping up and go go win a game, buddy. And I was really surprised how the Lions came right out and marched right down the field for that. For I mean, I think it was his first three drives they scored touchdowns with Matt Stafford. So I was surprised that the Eagles' defense wasn't able to hold them more. I thought that Jim Schwartz would have a couple more tricks up his sleeve, but it turned out All it was the tricks were up Cooter's sleeve. Opposite, exactly. So that's <laughs> – yes, he's got all the tricks up his sleeve. No one should be surprised, though. Stafford – up the old cooter sleeve. Stafford has been <laughs> Stafford very has been good this very season. good this year. I know he didn't have a great week last week, but he was not as bad as I expected after I watched that game. To me, he is there with the he's not in the top, you know, four or five quarterbacks in the league right now, but he's right after that in in terms of expecting him to play well every week. Only took like, you know, seven plus years, but that he's now it's happened. So he's back, yeah. Exciting. Golden Tate too. He showed up today. Did he? Wow. Fun. Yeah, I Did know. He three I, for thirty nine. I mean, let's not get too carried away. Well, he had the game winning score. Okay, well, it's set, he fair. did. Ha- no, he set He's up the game winning score. He had a huge catch to set it up. So, look, I've been waiting for him to come out and to stop being invisible in these games. So maybe this is the start of. You've that. been waiting for that, like Mark's been waiting for Zach Zenner to show back up uh, for a few years, and here he was. It only took a few. What injuries. seven carries for nine? Well, yards he's back. on the field. He's playing. It's not exactly what I was envisioning two summers ago. Caught a couple of passes. Caught a couple of passes. <laughs> All right, let's go to San Diego. The Chargers game giveaway. It continues. It happened again. I can't believe this one. This week, it wasn't just in the fourth quarter, though. San Diego had a 24-19 lead with four minutes left in the third quarter. And then Melvin Gordon fumbled. And the Raiders converted to the points, leading to a 34-31 loss for the Chargers. They moved to 1-4. and four. They're winless in the division. Greg, the Chargers had four turnovers in this game. Once again, they are the best you could possibly be as a 1-4 and four team. But they also know how to lose in any situation. And one of the indelible moments, really, of this entire season for me is them dropping the ho- the holder dropped the field goal snap that would have tied the game with just a few minutes left. He can't handle it. He tries to pick it up. It's rolling away, and they cut to the sideline, and it's to Phillip Rivers. And I'm not a professional lip reader, but plenty of other people read it the same way. And he said, we're the bad news bears, man. No, we're the bad. He, news I Bears. saw him freaking out. Any situ- that was at one of his re- at, at one of his re- receivers. I mean, Philip Rivers was awesome in this game. They were they had been delivered what had looked like a knockout punch. They were up nine midway through the third. Suddenly, were they were down ten and they were driving there to try to win the game. It looked like they had really fought back, and then for that to happen is unbelievable. Yeah, and we were on the couch, the couch show, which you came on today. It was great. But we were watching this game, and when it happened in the third quarter, I was like, I can't believe the Chargers are going to lose this game. And everybody was saying, oh, come on, there's so much time left, da-da-da. I'm like, no, this is is what they do now. And I feel like it's sort of affecting them mentally. I I was just going to say the same thing, that it's – you get to a tipping point where when you lose this many games this way, it's not a permanent identity, but it's like, wait a minute, if it starts to creep in game after game, you're almost, there's got to be certain aspects of the roster expecting it to happen. Exactly. I mean, these are just young kids. They're human beings. And even if you're the coaching staff, it's like how it's on the coaching staff too to 
to find ways to stop this from happening, but it's a it's it's a total organizational implosion four out of five games. Yeah, and just like last year, I mean, there haven't there weren't any key guys that went down in this game, but the injuries this season, it's the same narrative as last year with the injuries and they're out there playing without Jason Verrett and Brandon Flowers in this yeah. game. Not to mention, you know, everyone else they've lost this year, like Keenan Allen and Manson Philip- Taylor. Philip Rivers deserves much better than this. They have last year it was the offensive lineman who would go down one a game. This right. year you take away Malcolm Floyd to begin the year, Stevie Johnson, Danny Woodhead, Keenan Allen. He's throwing to Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin, Hunter Henry, none of whom was on the team last year. And they're one of four teams this year that have scored 20 points in every game. I mean, they, they've led with two minutes left in every game until this one, which they easily should they should have tied. It was a chip shot field goal. And they had a second. The thing is, the Chargers, they set up these mistakes because they had a second and one before that field goal. And they didn't convert a second and one to keep the game going and try to win it. And then you kick the field goal and it all goes wrong. I mean, they did. I, I cannot stand because this happens on this podcast and it happens in write-ups hey, I know your team is like a hot mess circling towards Earth, but there is a bright spot for you to cling to in mid-October as everything is burning up. But they got Joey Bosa back, and he looked good. He had a sack today, I think, right? Yeah, two. Yeah, He had two sacks, a couple pressures, three tackles for losses total, a few run stops. He only played 27 snaps He, he out of 81. So they were bringing him in slowly. He made an incredible impact for those 27 snaps. If he keeps that up, the pace up for those 27 snaps, he will be the greatest defensive player in NFL history. It goes to my Odell Beckham rookie year theory, where if you skip a big bunch of work early in the year, everyone wins in the end, and all of us should probably take multiple weeks off. Yeah, that would be great. I think we can get behind that. I'm with that. We'll skip uh, July, August. August, August is brutal. August is you know, tough. September and parts Worst. of October is what I'm lobbying for. Before we move on, we should give some credit to uh, the 4-1 and one team of ATL nominee, Oakland Raiders. Here's what the Raiders do well. They make pretty plays, which should be considered. I mean, every week there's something that gets you out of your seat, and, and this week for me it was a third-down conversion by Michael Crabtree. Just an incredible show of hands. Oh and, yeah, that he like just grabbed it right out of his the air. Pat and his feet on the sideline, and the very next play, they hit a sixty-four yard touchdown to Amari Cooper. They would have, and that that to me is that team. You know, those two are so tough to tough to stop. That Crabtree catch won't make all the watch every touchdown from Week Five highlight reels, but <laughs> it was probably the best catch of the day in many ways for what it set up too. Yeah, their, their defense is getting a little more fun to watch too with Carl Joseph at safety, who's. Already one of the most fun safeties to watch in the league. Yeah, I'm glad that's finally getting together because that was brutal the first couple of weeks. Amari Cooper, that touchdown, can't believe that was his first of the year. So Although Phillip Rivers, you know, did average 12 yards of throw today against that secondary. <laughs> True. So All got right. Some, Details. Got some they got some things to work on. Details. Okay. Let's move on. But before we get to the next game, I want to talk to you about Mr. Flame's economics class. All right. Do you like markets? Me too. I go to markets all the time. But there's only one place in the world to learn everything you need to know about global markets and supply and demand of what's inside of them. If you're a high school student in the Hague, Netherlands, Mr. Flame can illuminate the mystery of surpluses and deficits. Don't take any old economics class. Sign up for the best and the brightest at MrFlameClass.com. That's FlameClass.com. Use promo code ATN at sign up and see what happens. The promo code 
A-T-N. I like how you say see what happens because you don't know. Don't well, know. There was a video of Mr. Oh, Flame. Don't know what's going to happen. Mr. Flame sent out a video from The Hague, the Netherlands, uh, of, you know, it's explaining to the ATN crew that we had an inelastic supply model, I believe it was, but also turning uh, the camera to show an absolute influx of new students, too many for him to handle. Uh, that's probably what he was trying to say economically. Secondly, though, we've interacted with him on email, and I'll say this. This guy is a mensch. I love this guy. He gets he, it. He, Mr. F. Mr. F is just, uh, he's the man. I'll, I'll, I could go on and on, but I yeah, won't. Yeah, and that's why he's the presenting sponsor here. So it's Shame it on all these out. other sponsors that couldn't get this kind of, you know, these, these ads, these promos, this content, this interaction with all mm-hmm. of us. Good on Mr. F. All right. How about the Ravens? They jumped out to an early lead, but they were attacked by all sorts of injuries in this game. Brashad Perryman almost got them the win, but his 23-yard touchdown was reversed with 30 seconds left in the game, saving a 16-10 win for the Redskins. Wes, you did this game. What happened to Joe Flacco's offense? The Ravens blew this game in so many different ways, and I'm sure anybody who was reading my game recap and was a Redskins fan was like why didn't you give us any credit because the Ravens blew the game in every way possible Mm. and the Redskins there wasn't that much noteworthy they tried to give it away even late in the game Kirk Cousins who had been playing pretty well in the second half throws an interception deep in his own territory CJ Mosley Ravens linebacker makes an athletic play on it brings it all the way back just as he's reaching for the pylon fumbles it out the back of the end zone and because it's a bizarre weird NFL role. The Redskins immediately get the ball on a touchback. Uh. The Ravens don't get the ball anywhere near the end zone. Let's let's change that rule. Let we'll talk about this game a lot more in a minute. But let's change that rule. That's the worst rule. It's awful. We got the they got them to raise the uprights eventually. We can change that rule. It Wouldn't it make no more sense. sense to give the ball to the fumbling team at exactly. the 20 yards? Yes, 100%. Exactly. Yeah. Like how do you even come up with that rule? Seems bizarre. Like it, someone came up with it 70 years ago and nobody thought about it since it then. It seems like they didn't yeah. make up any rule and then that once happened in a game and they just made that up at the time. Yeah. And somebody must have made a mistake. Less likely, Greg. No, that's you don't know that. That seems credible. <laughs> in the 1940s. Well, this is how it happened. The Ravens jumped out with a touchdown on their opening drive. They looked like they were in control of the game. Steve Smith went down with an ankle injury in the first quarter. And then their offensive line, which is already decimated by injuries. Marshall Yanda had to kick out the tackle. And the the inside, the guards were getting worked over. I don't think Mark Trestman trusted his offensive line to block for downfield throws. So the man coverage was sitting on all the short routes. And the offense just went in the tank the rest of the way. On the same week that Joe Flacco basically complained that they don't throw the ball deep enough, their longest play was 15 yards. They What? Their well, longest, you, their longest wow. passing play. You wow. had the 23-yard would have been touchdown to Perriman, but there was also another deep ball to Perriman, which he just barely missed it, and that would have been good to set them up on like the two-foot line right in front of the end zone. But all these plays that they, they could have made and didn't, they had a fake field goal that backfired on them, and the wind was a factor. It pushed uh, Dustin, Dustin Hopkins' extra point off, and uh, it affected field goal decisions throughout. Right. They went for a fake field goal, which they probably – the Ravens, that is. Because Justin Tucker is the most reliable kicker in the league. They would have gone for the kick if, instead of the fake, if not for the wind factor. Are you concerned about the Ravens getting into games where – I understand what happened today – where if they get into shootouts, do they have the kind of attack that can hang with teams in, the, in that situation? Is Steve Smith healthy? 
does Mark Tressman bury his nose in the playbook and refuse to see that Terrence West is really not Terrence West. eight or nine oh. yards of carry every Mark Tressman that's, was that's, the Ravens' that's worst enemy. That's an actual enemy. issue then. Wow. The, the, he was their worst enemy today. Terrence West Second is going – Second straight week. He's going off in the first half. In the first quarter, he's got 60 yards on five carries. The second quarter, eight of the ten plays are passes. This sounds like a repeat from Mark Tressman complaints when he was the co- coach of the Bears. Yes, it's it's a legit, valid complaint. Even in the second half, it was a close game, and you're still ignoring Terrence West while he's averaging five or six yards per carry instead of eight or nine. It's it against Mark, a Redskins defense that he probably could have run right. for twice as it's much yardage on. Hot garbage Redskins run defense, and Terrence West is blowing right through it. It was bizarre. Poor Redskins. Yeah. Little fantasy um, advice here: Don't worry about Kenneth Dixon. Mm. Not, not gonna, not gonna be an issue. I would say not for the month of October. He looked slow and he looked hesitant, and Terrence West looked streamlined. Well, they said he had a huge brace on or something too, Dixon. He only had three carries for minus one yard, so maybe he had the knee brace. I didn't notice it, but he did look slow, and he looked hesitant. He didn't look like he trusted the knee quite yet. Mm. We should give the Redskins some credit. Maybe not just for this week, but they were 0-2. They're you know 2-0 and on the road now. They're, they've won three straight games. They've had a lot of injuries. I'm not in saying the, don't the give them secondary. any credit. No, I'm just saying I didn't expect them to be back here. A, a few teams that we quickly – didn't feel too good about like the Bills and the, and the Redskins are right back about where you'd expect them to be. Yeah, that's true. Um, in the interest of full disclosure here, I've had a lot of Red Bull since I was on the couch mm. all day. I don't even drink Red Bull. Um, <laughs> are you crashing right now? No, I think I'm like I'm jittery. A, yes. So empty this, inside. Yeah, I'm. I have no soul inside. I've kind of like just a shell of a person at this. It's been point. replaced by an energy drink. Only one time Has in been. my life have I had Red Bull without alcohol in it, and it was before a softball tournament. And I was so jittery at shortstop that I couldn't even field the ball. My heart so feels I like never a hummingbird re- right now. I never drank Red yeah. Bull again after that. I don't like being not being in control of my nerves. How Woo. many times have you had it with alcohol? Give me an over under of fifty. I mean, <laughs> Jaeger bombs were the go to drink at Huckapoo's on some Saturday Ew. night. So. so Roughly six or seven hundred times. I mean, just the smell of Jaeger. I never yeah. bought one. It was like someone, was, <laughs> one of the locals, would buy you a, a drink, and you kind of felt bad, so you had to drink it. I'm more of a hard drugs guy. Mm. <laughs> Cold medicine, <laughs> triminic, Benadryl. Sure, yeah. yeah, me too. Okay. How about the Vikings, Mark Sessler? This team, they're perfect now. Through five games, a 31-13 beat up on the Texans here. What did you see in this game? That defense looks so good. Yeah, I saw a team, and it reminds me a little bit of what happened in Dallas. From the very first minute, Minnesota came out and completely imposed their will on a Houston Texans team that somehow has shown no ability to play against premier competition. Again, it was an absolute flattening. Forget the final score of 13 points for the Texans. It came in deep garbage time. Two straight drives for the Vikings offense right out of the gate. Two eight-play touchdown marches. It got started with this. La Cid. Second and 11 from the Texans, 36. Bradford passing right, and it's caught by Adam at the five. Touchdown! Whoa. Well. A 36-yard touchdown strike against allegedly the best pass defense in the NFL. That's my boy, Paul Allen from K-Fan in Minnesota. Not the Seattle Seahawks owner, but a capable play-by-play telecaster who took it home right there. I'll tell you something else. 
This Adam Thielen, who I was crowing about in the office, I know people don't. Oh, he's not Randy Moss. It's like I get it. You know what? You don't who have said that. Wait, you don't have. St- I heard, no, no, I'm just saying you don't have Stephon Diggs, and you're in a you're in an offense that doesn't have the quarterback and the running hey, man, back. You went into the season. About? Who has ever no. said anything bad about Adam Thielen? People have strong opinions listen, on Thielen. That's listen, the biggest. That's the Adam biggest Thielen. Many Horse people Paul Allen. All, all you can ask for is a player when people are out to step in and and fill the gap. The best you can. Seven catches, 127 yards. He found a way to get into spaces between Houston's secondary. Houston's defense got absolutely outmanned and outpowered, and we haven't even gotten to the best part of this game. Minnesota's defense is a Super Bowl defense. We've been talking about this since the summer. They have a Super Bowl-level head coach in Mike Zimmer, and they took Brock Osweiler, the $72 million, $37 million in guarantees quarterback, and made him look like the 28th, 29th best quarterback in the league today. They shredded him. I would be very concerned for Texans fans who are watching Brock Osweiler go out and look absolutely lost at sea while four or five rookie quarterbacks look more capable and ready for game action than, than he does in this offense. Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins were shut out in the first half, and anything you see in a box score that they have, it happened late in the game when nothing mattered. This game was over by the, second, by the third quarter. That was Fire in your eyes. Well, listen, rant. I don't want to hear any garbage about where, where are we with the Vikings. I don't care where we are as a group. This team cares where they are, and they said it from the minute that they lost Teddy Bridgewater. We're not giving up, and they haven't shown any any hint of that. I always know that it's going to be good when Sessler starts with his hand. Oh, oh. oh. Well, it's like, you know yeah, what? Thielen's not Randy Moss. Right. Well, I just that it is that kind of a team where it doesn't matter what happens. Someone else comes in and fill, does the job. A lot of I'd say three quarters of the league don't have that dynamic on any level. They lose someone. That position is a absolute weakened issue for the rest of the well, season. How about Sam Bradford doing this today without Stefan Diggs? Look great. And so, I mean, even Cordero Patterson. They haven't had a running game. And without they a running still, game. They still and without a running, running game. Yes. Their tackles haven't played well. It's incredible. I mean, it gets... It gets Mark excited. It gets Paul Allen so excited he made some fake argument about people calling the Texans the best secondary in the league. Who calls the Texans that? That's no stadium. They, were, that they stadium were number one statistically in pass defense. Right. But every game it's a different guy who Sam Bradford is making look like a star. Stefan Diggs really is a good receiver. Adam Thielen's a special teamer. Charles Johnson last week had disappeared until he catches two deep balls. Kyle Rudolph's having the best year of his career. Sam Bradford's an upgrade on Teddy Bridgewell. You, you know, Cordero Patterson finally I looks like he's back in action. I can't believe those words, too. I mean, I can't believe this I'm is saying an amazing time. The fact that Sam Bradford, when paired with Norv Turner, is looks better than Teddy Bridgewater, is making this offense work. Sometimes well, it's best not what? to think too deeply about it. And he's also just never had this kind of a team around him because the Eagles team, no matter what they are on defense this year, were in mess around Sam Bradford the last two seasons. And, I mean, it's it. I'm not saying any quarterback could do this. That's not the case. But this defense right. sets the table up for you very nicely. People always talk about weapons. Having the best defense in the league. That's a weapon. Weapon. Yeah. It's going to get people off your back. It's going to get you the ball back. It's going to it's gonna make you look good. On a day they had 350 yards, you can dominate because he's making the plays when it counts. And that's the opposite of Osweiler, who... One in thirteen. One of thirteen on first uh, on on third downs. The 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 Texans today. We're only five games in. One of thirteen. This their offense looks so dysfunctional. We're only Duke five Hopkins games in. Is not involved at all. But they're worse than they were with Brian Hoyer, and it's not particular 
particularly close. They they've been disjointed all year. They they have a couple big plays every game, and he makes some impressive throws. But they're not moving the ball. They're a team that it's a boomer bust offense, and for nine, eight, nine, ten drives a game, they're going three, four, five, and out. Well, and Lamar who got Miller, paid? who got paid? Brock Osweiler and Lamar Miller. Yeah, Brock Lamar Miller has been one of the least effective starting running backs in the NFL this year. And Brock Osweiler, like Greg said, not even an upgrade on Brian Hoyer. No, and he and I think that they Brock Osweiler is still young enough where he doesn't have the resume and the hundreds of starts to look back on and say, I know I can dig myself out of this. They got in his head. It's not the first quarterback that Minnesota's right. done Right, they that made too. Aaron Rodgers look bad. They made everyone look bad. This isn't the first defense to get in Brock Osweiler's head either. No, but this this is not this is the best defense right now that he will face all season. Is it the best defense in the NFL? Have they To me they are. I don't care what the stats Broncos. say. Just watching them. The stats say they are. Well, by then, quite a bit. And the stats are smart. Yeah, I think I, I <laughs> Now think you they care are. what they say. I, I think, listen, this could change in a couple of weeks, but Denver's Denver has shown consistency that we have not seen Minnesota do this, um, you know, as no, long as Denver has. For but, these five weeks. No, but they, well, actually, you know, they've won eight straight regular season games. That's the most in the league. And go ahead, go find your weaknesses, but they're not there in my book. This is a team. Well, and the Texans are in a similar spot where I think they need their defense to be truly dominant, to be a real contender. I mean, they're going to be in the mix in the AFC South. It's a bad division. And I don't know. I have to watch this one closer. Last week, they certainly weren't a, a dominant-looking defense uh, You know, in that, in that game for the Texans in their win. Clowney hasn't really shown up this year. It looks like by the box score, he had a nice day today, but he's been very quiet after, you know. They put pressure on Bradford. They hit Bradford, but a lot of it just seemed, you know, when you're down early, a lot of it just came when it didn't really change the game. We're going almost a full 16-game season on Sam Bradford now. Since November 1st of last season, he's completed 69% of his passes, 16-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, and a 101.2 passer rating. Mm. Wow. We'll have to talk more on Tuesday yes. about the team of ATL. We All right. move to – where are we going here? L.A. All right. Let's go to the Bills and the Rams. I think this was Dan's lock of the week. Was it that the uh, Bills? Oh, were because lose? he's a certified expert. I think that's right. I think Dan picked uh, Buffalo to win this. That did not happen. And Rex Ryan, he now led his team to a win. LaShawn McCoy looked good, and they pulled out a thirty to nineteen win over the Rams after a fake punt misfired. So. Let's talk about this game. I had that incorrect. I said Dan uh, chose the Bills to win. We're saying that he chose them to lose. Is that what he, was? Was that he saying it was a it was a bounce back, as in backward Rex type of game? I believe yeah. his yeah. lock of the week. I just wait for it. See if we, wait, it's we would coming. Get it or not? I don't. Uh, I'm getting a no signal from. It, Sid. Was, it was the Rams okay. that the that the Bills would yep. fall apart. And Jeff yeah. Fisher to defend that block punt. And for some context, it's just a few minutes. I think four minutes left in that game, maybe even less fourth and five deep in their own territory, and they go for the fake punt there. The problem is they've done so many fake punts over the years. The Bills were expecting it. Uh, How is that defending Jeff Fisher? Uh, I'm not defending oh, Jeff okay. Fisher at all. He, How about the fact that he, he said, I was playing to win. How about if you play to win, put your quarterback and Todd Gurley and your receivers on the field and try to pick up five yards? Why, if he's yeah. playing for the win, why when it's a seven-point game? With only five or six minutes left, does he go for the field goal? It was a four-point game for what it's worth, but yeah. No, earlier, when he went for the field goal, when a touchdown would have tied it. Right. And even if you go for the field goal, you still need a touchdown. 
it it forces you to make the, these decisions like the fake punt when you do that. Yeah, I I had problems with all of that, and yet when I watched, you know, the fourth quarter of the game on all the key plays, the Bills won the battle. I mean, the Rams were missing three of their four starting defensive linemen, and the Bills on all of these plays where Fisher made questionable decisions, they won those plays. They they prevented them from scoring the touchdown. They forced the fourth down. You know, they they made a nice play when he called the fake punt. They were the better team. Yeah. Well, they're a good team right now. We talk about this Rams defense as being the you know the core of their whole effort to try to get over the seven and nine hump. You just gave up 193 yards rushing at 7.1 yards per carry. I mean, give me a break. Well, I think Greg has talked about this. LaShawn McCoy is looking good the last few weeks, and Anthony Lynn just deserves the bulk of the credit. Yeah, they're, he's a he's steeped in the running game. He's not a passing game guy. He has always been a running backs coach, and they are getting it done on the ground. Well, whatever Greg Roman was doing before wasn't working, and when Lynn came in, he took all of the players and asked them what they liked to do and what plays that they felt like they were good at and what they wanted to run, and then he made a game plan based around that. It's a novel idea. Ask, He's crowdsourcing people, his job? I mean <laughs> – wouldn't that work in any other place? Ask your employees know. what they well, like to do and what they're good at I think and then watch do them that. succeed. Of course coaches do that. They talk to their players, especially the quarterbacks, about what, what players they what plays they like the best. Makes sense. But it's not a way it's not a bad way to start off your role is to actually show that you're open to their ideas. And whether you use them all, that's a different well, story. LaShawn McCoy's the best player on their offense, especially with Sammy Watkins right. hurt. And he's playing great. And the next best thing about their offense is their offensive line. And it's playing better. I mean, Tyrod Taylor hasn't – I wouldn't say his play has particularly changed the last three weeks. It's the defense and the running game. How would that work, say, with Odell Beckham? Just like <laughs> he, you crowdsource him and he's like, throw it to me every time. Every that's time. How, that's how we win. Yeah. That's true. It's, it wouldn't really work that way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this Bills defense has Lorenzo Alexander as the NFL's leading sack artist. The last time we were in the studio, we were talking about Marcus Golden as the surprising one. Now it's Lorenzo Alexander. It's another game where Preston Brown and Zach Brown, I mean. I mean, there was, a play, in this game. In the there was a play in this game where Tyrod Taylor, second-year starter, lined up uh, behind guard as the, as the ball shotgun passed him for an issue. That's but an all-timer. I, I have to give Rex Ryan. Point. It was a little bit of a low point, but they dug themselves out. I mean, I've taken Rex Ryan to task a million times, as of others, on the show, and, uh, you know, this is Rex Ryan saving his job over the last three weeks. Uh, get re- get used to it. They're hosting the 49ers next week, Ooh. and then they're going to Miami. And if you're power ranking the teams, that might be the, you know, two of the worst three teams in the in the league. And I know the Bills aren't a guaranteed win any week, but the way they're playing, they got a real chance to be five and two and and right in it. Well, and we're about we're about ninety six hours removed from taking Connor Orr to town for putting the Bills up at his twelfth mm. best team ranking oh. in our power poll. Maybe Connor Orr simply wrote this rankings from December while the rest of us were in October. Wow. Well, he also ranked the Forty ers really high. Never know right what be- can happen. Right Maybe Connor Orr is just a seer. Win. Uh, he's a wild card. Or. Total wild card. I know. You never know. Has the Bills as a wild card, so. He puts Ooh. the or in Oracle. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Let's move on to the Colts and the Bears. So, Brian Hoyer, I mean, it looks like he's a better option than Jay Cutler. As uh, Well, they didn't win the game, but the Colts won 29-23. But Hoyer, I feel like, is the better option in Chicago. He is, and yet. Uh, what is I, know. I don't know. What does it matter? What do you mean, what does it matter? They had their most yards in a game since 1989. But they can't 
beat the Colts, you know, on the road. I mean, they're they're one and four. They're a team going nowhere. To me, neither one of those guys is going to be their quarterback next year. Well, here's where it matters. To me, it mattered for them to win this game, and they managed to do it. It's basically last year's Texans, where if you're a Bears fan and you've been through the Jay Cutler experience and you're at this point just exhausted and and focusing on the Cubs, then you have – a team that's finally come to the conclusion that it's time to rebuild the quarterback position. And Jay Cutler mm. is no longer just going to be a presumed to be the starter. I will say one thing that the, the, the week Cutler goes out is the week that they finally got rid of the most boring backfield in sports <laughs> and found a real Jordan running back Howard. in Jordan Howard. I he don't know what's, great. well, what's, what's going on with this team where they didn't see this earlier in the year. Maybe he wasn't showing it, but I mean, you got a guy. Rookies. Why is it the year of, teams playing their worst running back to start the season mm. only to realize a month into it, oh, hey, we have somebody better. We got this guy, Jordan Howard, the second straight week. He has a great game. He had 118 yards on the ground, 45 yards receiving, and a touchdown. I mean, this guy, he looked great at the combine, but now they're finally using him, and we're finally seeing it on the field. Yeah, he yeah. he's a three down. I mean, he's a guy who's good in the passing game, and he's a good power back. He's not going to make you miss or anything on his 57-yard run. A lot of you know, running backs would have scored a touchdown on that because he's not going to have the long speed, but he's fun to watch. He's good, and he, he gives them a little life watching them. But the Colts the Colts in this game were the more important team to me because I think they can still matter because Andrew Luck is on their team, and he played a really good game. Their offensive line gave up five sacks, though, to a team in the Bears that only had six all Ooh. season going into this game. And the Colts got the ball back, uh, needing – needing points, needing a touchdown late in this game with under five minutes to go. And I started thinking this is going to be an ugly week in Indianapolis if Luck can't pull something out and he goes right down the field, including a long touchdown on a beautiful throw to T.Y. Hilton and gets the job done when he needs to. He's been sacked 20 times and hit 42 times. And the Colts are still third in the NFL in scoring behind the Steelers and Falcons. I think that speaks to him having a pretty good season despite everything around him being pretty poor. It, and it, do, it does, and it speaks, even though they're in that in the mix in the AFC South, I mean, it's hard for them to win games. You know, they, they've had to have last-second touchdown drives just to win two home games against the Chargers and the Bears. It, it's just, it's tough. He's playing uphill every week. I mean, this, this division, uh, you know, we all kind of wasted some breath this offseason talking about the AFC South turning the corner, how exciting they'd be. And, you know, things don't change as quickly as we want them to sometimes. This division still is probably going to be won by a 9-7 and seven team that is completely disappointing and gets airmailed out of the playoffs one week in. I think this is the team that's going to win it, too. The Colts? Ooh. I think their defense is getting a modicum of help, whereas to start the year it was unreal how many starters and important players were injured on that defense. And you get their cornerbacks healthy. Henry Anderson's coming back, who was their best defensive lineman last year. So you're starting to get a little bit healthier. Maybe they can keep people down to 23 points a game instead of 30. T.Y. Hilton's gone over 170 yards Frank in two Gore. Of the last three games. Frank Gore, nice now number nine on the all-time list. Well, Jim I, Brown. All, all the credit to Frank Gore, but there were like four guys that were separated by like 18 yards. <laughs> so in one in the London game, he yeah, shot he past four. like three of them. He shot past another today. I mean, you know, you saw it coming, barring that, like a car crash. Sure. Better in move by him playing one last year just to move past all those guys. Yeah, it does. It's good, good job by him. Next up, the Miami Dolphins. Mm. At home, they were not able to stop DeMarco Murray and the Titans running game. Hard Rock Stadium, tough place to play these days. They lost... 
30 to 17 in this game. So I don't even know what to say about the Dolphins <laughs> and Ryan Tannehill and this offense, but I am encouraged by the run game in Tennessee. Yeah, I was ready to say, look, it looks like the t- Titans offense got healthy, but their defense got healthy in this game. I think the Dolphins only had 200 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Dolphins are just bad in every area on the field. They're, they're tough. They're tough to watch. I, I know there's other options, but I, I think they're the most disappointing team in the league or the most dispiriting to watch because there's just so little to feel good about. The Titans offensive line is ranked this week before this game even, by Pro Football Focus, as the number one offensive line in the league. The running game is working. A lot of what Mike Malarkey wanted to do is sort of is working. The passing game is not. But they got healthy in this game. They look good. Who knows? They're only one game back now in a lousy division, and they have a few things coming together that at least you can feel good about. One other promising sign for the Titans offense, they, they busted out some zone read plays today which have been kind of missing from their attack this year. But it's what Marcus Mariota does well. I mean, but the thing is with Tennessee, because this is like the optimal spot where suddenly it's easy to feel hope about the Titans again. Yep. And they play Cleveland next but they're week. Not, and they're not Miami. At least they're not they're Miami. They're not Miami. You know what I mean? No, 100%. They, they're, they've got a much better situation, I think, long-term at quarterback right now and in other parts in place. But it just doesn't feel after what we've seen, the sample size, that it's sustainable when you run into real opponents. Well, their next four games are the Browns, Colts, Jaguars, Chargers. So they're very much alive in this division. Very much so. Yeah. And and Adam Gay said after the game, he is not benching Ryan Tannehill for the rest of the year. So you can stop asking that question. I don't know if I've ever, and he looked very agitated. This was a point I made uh, last show. When you when you watch him on the post game, just do it. You'll see what I mean. He is he is just dr- being driven crazy by this Dolphins team, just like all the fans and pretty much everyone else that's worked for the Dolphins for the last fifteen years. Well, it's brutal watching them this year. And when you look at the Titans' offense, and you see how Mariota did today, three touchdowns. You see the way that they're running the ball. Mariota rushed for 60 yards. This this game, the offense was really good, and the Dolphins just can't get anything going. That Wow, eight first downs for the Dolphins and 200 <laughs> yards. Yeah. You just don't see that in the NFL. But and, this is the, and this is the third game like that that they've been like that. 36-plus minutes of possession for Tennessee. This is a malarkey you know, dreamscape. This is what he wants. Even in the games where Tannehill has moved the ball, it's not until they're out of the game. It's it's depressing. Yeah, Tannehill was sacked six times. Mariota, zero. Ooh. Wow. All right. And that brings us to Sunday night football. All right, we had the Packers. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. Good. I'm glad that's still happening. Uh, <laughs> the Packers and the Giants. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's still this is going on. Every Sunday night we're treated to this soundbite. Thank you, Sydney. Sid, are we done? Perfect. <laughs> all right. The Packers and the Giants. So the Giants all week long, all we heard about was Odell Beckham Jr. And he's not having fun anymore. And he's too emotional and blah, 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 blah. They go in to the Packers in Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers throws two touchdowns, two interceptions, and the Packers still end up winning the game 23-16. We've all been watching this game extensively all night here, <laughs> me included. So what really stood out to you guys? I think Eli Manning struggling. 
for the second straight week. Uh, Greg thought that Eli's game last week was bad when he watched the tape. I thought it was too. And then tonight, I'd say the last three weeks, he really struggled in uh, against in the week, Saints in week three against the Saints too. Yeah, that, that seems like a trend. Only no three running for 199 yards. Yeah, I think what you said about the running game, Wes. Like when you're when you're the New York Giants and you're rushing for 2.9 yards a carry, like it puts Eli Manning into a tough spot. They don't. They're just not a balanced offense at all. They've been but, savaged by injuries. But to me, you look at teams. What what's their identity going to be? Now they spent a lot of money on defense. I think they're better on defense. They're they're not getting the pass rush that they expected. But to me, they're a team that's going to be built on their passing game. They they have to be a good passing game. And they're not right now, and that's why they hired Bob McAdoo. Did I just call him Bob McAdoo? You did. Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo. <laughs> it's a long, Maybe they long should day. have hired Bob. Uh, and his <laughs> offense that they wanted continuity for is really struggling. I mean, it, it is the part of the team that's struggling right now, and McAdoo is struggling. He had a terrible challenge in the fourth quarter, burning one timeout on a play that wasn't likely to be overturned, and then he decided not to use a challenge on the Randall Cobb catch at the very end of the game that I think could have been overturned and they would have gotten the ball back for a chance to win the game. And he sat there, sat on it with a timeout in his pocket. Yeah. And not to mention Mike McCarthy in this game, the way that they started it, the Packers and all the different personnel packages that they started the game with, it was so, it was really interesting the way that they mixed it up. And then it kind of just went blah after that. Yeah, I think they want to get Ty Montgomery involved. And then by the end of the game, it's still Adams, Nelson, Cobb for the last two quarters. Right. Yeah. It's a little interesting. I agree. These are two offenses, you know, that are mirror images in terms of the coaches. And they're both struggling right now. And there's going to be some concern, I would guess, in Green Bay about, you know, Aaron Rodgers throwing for 5.8 yards per attempt, not having a great night. But they're a complimentary team. They've got one of the better Packers defenses that we've seen in the Mike McCarthy era, even with some injuries at cornerback tonight, this is a team that can win games with with an okay to good offense. Maybe it doesn't need to be unbelievable. When Nobody's we, close to them in run defense this year. I think they average less than two yards per carry. Yeah, and that played out tonight. And then when you look at how New York jumped out to its fast start this season, it was, you know, there was chatter that their three wide receivers might be the best trio in the league with Beckham, Cruz and Sterling Shepard tonight they're held to a combined 70 yards so it's you know when you're shutting that down you're the whole there really wasn't a, a way for New York to kind of get into flow tonight and certainly not come back from the hole they dug two straight weeks the offense has been shut down speaking of McAdoo's issues and Odell Beckham I don't think has a hundred yard game this year wow that's not an Odell Beckham problem he, he's established on film how good he is that's the coach. He showed it again on that late touchdown. You got to get him the ball. You know play. he's good. Yeah, and this is terrible for. They really needed this win just in the division. They've lost three straight now. Now they're two and three, last in the division. When you have mm. the Cowboys four and one, the Eagles three and one, Redskins even three and two. When they got a tough stretch, they've got they've got the Ravens next, then the Rams. I know everyone likes to laugh at the Rams, but the Rams defense. It, you know, after what we saw tonight, that could be a concern. Then the then a bye week, then the Eagles and Bengals. I mean, that's they've got a tough month ahead. It's tough for the Giants right now. Sorry, Giants fans out there. Don't they always find a way to kind of like climb when they have these up and down seasons? They we think we want to write them off, and they climb their way back out and do something kind of magical, and it's quite annoying or quite fascinating. That depending was on what always side hanging you're on. around. Yeah. That was Coughlin DNA, not McAdoo. Oh, that's a good point. A lot of shared DNA, though. Yeah. 
A lot of the is same. Coughlin's like still hanging around the building, like using the bathroom and, you know, Working probably out. the team library. The team library? Yeah, I think teams have probably oh, yeah, every, a nice library like with, with every, books. Stuff. Yeah, books. No, every team has <laughs> novels. Has a big library. <laughs> There's beanbag chairs in yeah. there and well, ladders. It would be nice to let, let them stay. I was trying to think of the book that you were reading. Uh, I, know, I, I know a lot of players like to take out uh, The Awakening by Kate uh, Chopin. Yes, I don't know Greg, how to that it. fell massively flat. But yeah, it was a book that I was reading on my off day. I'm quite enjoying it. Whatever happened to the book club that was going on here? That your husband, Gonzo, it's... tried to start? Uh, <laughs> I wasn't thrilled with the book. <laughs> I think it... Well, that was Mark's book. Yeah, my book Good. got panned, and then I lost interest in every person involved in the group. <laughs> That's basically what happened. I don't need to like enjoy a book and then have like all these text messages going back and forth. Uh, Whoa, your book really sucked. Like, A, didn't write it. B, don't care. <laughs> You care. Huh? Yeah, oh, you care. care. There were a lot of hot takes on that book, but... I'm Spent like nine, 900 pages setting up some alternative lifestyle for uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. I couldn't get into that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised this you This podcast could. has gone even more off the rails. <laughs> I know. Than, uh, we got to get out of here. Sid, should we get another? Oh, all right. I was going to do Sunday night, but this one works too because we really should get the hell out get of here. Get out of here. All Please. right. Everybody, Dan is back. You guys are back next week. And we'll see everybody on Sunday and Monday. Monday. People are looking at me like there's a problem. Well, yeah, just because I said I'll see you guys on Sunday and then oh. Monday, but there's no podcast on Monday. Well, we it's could, actually we on could do Tuesday. the Sunday night bit now if you want to go back and redo it. Let's just redo it. Yeah. The okay. whole thing. We don't no, 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 no. No, just, okay. just at the end. Just Or we could just include this as the uh Let's start it. at the beginning. <laughs> let's Round just, let's could, just she could be like, listen, let's, let's just, try that all let's over Let's just again. include this. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, sorry, I'm tired, and that's it. If we said right? we had to start yeah. from the beginning, no, Mark, I, I, Mark would be so bitter. I wouldn't be. I'd be in my car. The three of you can All do it. All right. From the top, everybody. I, I've learned. Yeah. Let's uh, Let, Let's just so leave it. It's fine. If you want just to take, leave this as the Easter egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done it plenty of times. This before. is fine as an Easter egg. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. Good. So we can all leave now. Okay. All right. Goodbye now. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. 
because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.